I started off in Milsden when my mum brought me back from the hospital. I was born in Park Royal Hospital. Mm-hmm. I was brought home to Gowan Road, which is literally Gowan Road off Wilson High Road. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, we moved to Kingsbury when I was about four. And um, from that, I'm, I was always around music. The first record I ever owned was Ride Your Donkey by The Tenors. 7 is 45 on a tenors label which I still possess. My godmother bought that for me. She also bought me Everything Crash. These stayed in my mind because I used to love, my dad used to play them. I didn't even know they belonged to me until he told me. And a few others. And from there, I got into reggae because my two big brothers came over from Jamaica and they started buying records every week. The odd record from certain record shops, i.e. Gangsterville, um, there was a record shop down the road called Bus Stop. I can't remember exactly where. I know it was on Wilson High Road. Um, I think Hawkeye came in the 70s. I'm not sure. But there was loads and loads of record shops. I remember my dad listening to a show on the radio on a Sunday and writing down the names of certain songs. And then he'd go um, in the week to go and pick them up. But you had to either phone the shop or it's like a specialist shop. can't remember where. Thinking it's Tottenham, but don't hold me to that. And then I started buying records. I mean, I'm going to confess, the first record I ever bought, reggae record, because I was into soul at them days, was um, Big Use Dreadlocks Dread album, which I purchased on a shop on this high road. I still have it. It probably got the name of the shop on the price, because I know the price, two ninety nine is in the inner sleeve or one ninety nine or something. It's an inner sleeve. There was a film, was it? Not North Weezy, it's quite a good film, filmed all around Kilburn and all that, and I quite liked it. Um, I don't know. Northwest. I've got a few relatives in Tottenham and in other areas, and, and Essex now. Oh, they've both gone, Auntie Anne and Uncle Alec, but they've both passed away now. I don't know how I manage this, okay? I don't know. I know um, I was invited to go on Unique FM, no, scratch that, UniqueRadio.org, you have to call it that, UniqueRadio.org, by a friend of mine. Because um, I was channel hopping one day and I heard this voice I recognised and it was somebody I knew for years who used to be on a different radio station. And my friend and I used to go up to that station. After we left Night Moves, we'd um, stop off in Roundwood Road to go to a certain station, okay? And we there, we'd help out, we'd talk on the air and everything. And me, I'll talk on the air, I'll talk the hind legs off a donkey. Anyway, so um, a few years later... Basically, remember, listen to this station, recognising the voice, phoning the person, saying, oh, blah, blah, blah. And they said, would you like to come in to be a guest on the show? So I said, okay. And because I know the rules and regulation them days, if the uh, people come, they'll confiscate your records and that stuff. At that time, I just managed to get her a CD, CDR burner. So I used to do my own CDs at home. This time, these things were rare. And I used to, I'd done a little batch of CDs and I went up the station as a guest. And I remember... Being on the show, just talking and whatever, playing a few tunes and that. And then the manager of the station walked in and everybody was quiet. And then he looked at me and he said, would you like to come and see me tomorrow? And I'm thinking, okay, what for? And he goes, "Um, no, man, people are ringing downstairs asking, who are you? Who's this person on the radio? They're actually ringing me in the office. So he said, I'd like to offer you a show. There and then I was like, "Uh, okay. So I said, I don't my own show. I'll come on the show with these guys as a guest. So the following week, um, two weeks later, the uh, presenter couldn't do his show. So I was left on my own to manage the state, to do the show, all the bits and everything. I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? But uh, I managed. 
And that was how many years ago? That was 2002. Yeah, 2002. And then from that, I got invited to go on, um, what's it called now? The Beat. But I think it's called Bang Now, 103.6. I was on that station for a year. And then I came off that station and went back to Unique. And I'm with Unique and I'm with um, Soundchat Radio, which is an American-based station uh, that Irish and Chin run. Well, from the radio and from generally being asked to play out, like um, I think the first big event that stands to, uh, comes to mind was um, there used to be a place in, in uh, Hackney called Oceans. It was a big, um, big venue, massive, on Mare Street, that's all I remember. And it had like a theatre in it and this and that. Anyway, they had a competition, not a competition, a Lover's Rock show with all the Lover's Rock artists and whatnot. And I was invited to DJ. And the rule was, you had to be there by 8.30. And I remember, I didn't want to be late, so I think I got there at 7.30. I was, just, I just had to, I was so excited to play. And it ended up with just myself and Roy Medallion playing, the Lover's Rock King. And I forgot all about it. I played, I played well, because I remember it's like, how many thousand of people in this hall? And my mic man was saying, when I say Texas, you say Ranger, Texas. And I thought, wow, this is really good. I also was suffering with an abscess. I was in so much pain. And I had to keep putting cold water on one side of the mouth and obviously swallowing it and drink too much water. You have to rush off to the ladies. So anyway, now that was that. And we got, I got different um, playouts because I've got a portfolio with all my um, uh, flyer things in it. And then the, the big one came when I was approached by Trojan. Say, would I um, do a night? Well, myself and Professor actually. And we said, yeah, we'll do a night. And from there, we sort of branched off, and we I can play different kind of music. I can play 60s pop, I can play 70s, I can play anything, all in vinyl. So we had a really good night. We had like a four-year run there, and then we stopped. And then we started doing um, Tighten Up for the Tighten Up crew. But you have to be asked. It's only once a month, and you have to be invited, and been invited about quite a few times. Um, but I'm digressing now. But... This year has been a good year for me because I did the Rotatom Sunsplash in Spain and that was amazing. I met my favourite all-time artist. Remember the first album I ever bought, Big Youth's Dreadlocks Red? I met Dreadlock. I met Big Youth at Rotatom. I was over the moon. That was it. I met so many people, but it was just Big Youth. Well, it's contributed to Brent and London's story because um, I'm part of Brent, I'm from Brent, and wherever I go, I let people know where I'm from. And um, it's nice to think that they've chosen me, the Texas Ranger, to go and do, I'll say it again, Spain. I did Spain, Rotterdam. There's a, um, uh, they call Sally Brown. It's like an established pub in Rome where it's strictly... Scar Music Rocksteady. I played at their 21st birthday party at the beginning of October and I was invited to play because of Rotatom. Okay. And I also played at the Rotatom launch party, which was amazing. Because they did the launch party. This is one of the chosen countries. I had it in like, Spain, Italy, Germany, whatever, but this is one of the chosen countries and I was invited to play at that. That was an honour. And I also am playing again at the International Star Festival next year. I've been invited to do that in honour of the late Sonia Pottinger, the uh, famous Jamaican uh, reggae producer, one of the only female ones, one of the noted female ones. She had the high note label and I think Dr Bird, but don't quote me. I should know, but I'm tired. Where, where do I experience reggae in Brent? 
We were running a, a night in Harlesden, a uh, strictly vinyl night, which initially started off at the Heritage Inn in Cricklewood, where what we do is we'd invite DJs down just to play reggae, also strictly on vinyl, okay? Um, that's about it. It's not a lot going in print vinyl. There's another place going, but it's not strictly vinyl. They just play off their laptops and that. To me, that doesn't count. If 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 you're if you're um, passionate about something and, and you, you heartfelt, it's like that's a pen. It's a pen. It's a pen. It's, it's vinyl is just I don't know. There's vinyl lovers that are just crazy about vinyl. I don't know this one. Off. You don't like vinyl, do you? <laughs> it's crazy about vinyl, and it's just a thing. When you see people um, you put a record on. And people are dancing and someone comes over and goes, oh, you're playing on original vinyl. Oh, they're amazed. And I'm talking things like, it's not reggae, it's, it's um, Nirvana smells like teen spirit. I love that song. I love that. And I've got the original 12. And I remember playing it at a venue one time. This guy come over and he's like, oh, look, she's playing the original. I said, of course I am. I'm not disrespecting anybody that wants to play their laptops. No. I'll, I'll go as far as a CD because I've got a CD pouch for emergencies, but, you know, it's, I like vinyl. Where do you, oh no, where do you find out about reggae events, or where do you currently find out about events? All right, yeah, word of mouth, but also radio flyers. Radio flyers play a key part. That's the whole point. If you're running an event, you try and make people enjoy themselves, because they will tell their friend, yeah, I went last week, or I went last month, and it was off the hook, I'm going again, and hopefully they'll tell their friend, and their friend will tell their friend. What genre of reggae music was played in my home and what was it played on? In the front room, it was played on a gram because dad would not change his gram for a music centre. That's when music centres come out. Dad said, no, I'm not one of them do that. Anyway, no, <laughs> sorry dad. And what he did one time, and I missed the gram so much, he sent it away to get something changed up inside to make it stereo. I don't know. I know it was gone for weeks and I was so upset. Um, my brothers had, I can't remember the name of their sister, but my bigger brother paid money for it because he likes music as well, he likes sound, good sound. So they had um, a stack system in their room and I had like a, a little suit, uh, like a suitcase looking record player, I had that. And genre of music um, would be, dad was more R&B, Jamaican R&B, rhythm and blues, American stuff, Smiley Lewis. Um, Louis Jordan, uh, Roscoe Gordon, things like that. And then you'd have obviously the Shirley and Lee and I don't know, all that sort of stuff and a bit of reggae. I was mostly soul and jazz funk. That was me. I was, I was into soul music uh, and my brothers were into reggae. The older one, soul and reggae. And then I, and my little brother was into, I wouldn't say punk, but at that time when he started buying records it was like the specials and the beat and the jam and haircut 100 and all them kind of things. I remember that. Do I have a favourite reggae track and why? Ride Your Donkey because it's what made me, it reminds me of all sorts of parties and this first record I ever owned, it was given to me as a gift by my godmother, as I said prior. Um, yeah, Ride Your Donkey. But, but, but there's a but. I have been known that any time I hear... Um, Jackie Mittu's Reggae Magic. I'm the one in the middle of the floor dancing. And I've had people come up to me and say, that record reminds me of you. 
Because anywhere you are and you hear that, you've stopped talking, you're gone and you're in the middle of dancing. I goes, it's true, I love that song. Can I, rem can I remember the first uh, record purchase and where from? And was it in the bar of Brent? Uh, yes, first reggae record I ever bought was the album Dreadlocks Dread by Big Youth. Can't remember the name of the shop, but the shop was on Wilson High Road. I remember uh, leaving school, Kingsbury High, walking across Kingsbury Park, jumping on the bus at um, Kingsbury Green, right? Them days it was two buses, it was a, a 52, and then when you get to Wolves, you have to get a 266 or a 266, I can't remember. Anyway, got to, um, to Wills and I Road and bought this record and I was over the moon. Where do I currently listen to reggae music? Mm -hmm. All of the mentions, mate, at home, at a nightclub, at radio, not digital, and at parties. I'm not, I tell you what, it's like, um, what nightclubs do I go to tonight? And I'm talking about tonight, whether or tonight for me, today, now, it's gonna be um, tighten up, uh, stand in the West End, it's, they're having their Christmas do. So I'll be there listening to some tunes on vinyl. Yeah. How do I think reggae music scene has influenced other genres? Example, Lovers Rock, Jungle, and music being made now. Right, okay, let's go there. Right, um, let's do the Lovers Rock. We all know Lovers Rock came from the time when, because in the 70s, it was all roots. You're burning spears and your culture and your, I don't know, Kidosai or whatever, right? And then they say Lovers Rock started in, in England, but you had Jamaican Lovers Rock as well, because people want to get together and dance, yeah? So that's that. Uh, jungle, a lot of the jungle would sample a lot of the um, DJ tunes, the reggae DJ tunes. There's enough of them out there. Now, some of them artists went on to jungle to chat the mic for, for some of the dances then, right? So um, music, what about music now? Yeah, they're redoing a lot of the old time things anyway. Even, um, can I mention her name, Lily Allen, when she had that song that made her um, famous, I can't remember what it's called now, um, Smile, that song she had that made her famous. I hadn't paid it no mind. I had, I, I see the video, but nine times out of ten the TV's muted anyway, right? So, someone rang me and goes, boy, have you, have you heard the Lily Allen song? I said, what Lily Allen song? Boy, you got to listen to you, know, so when it came on, I listened, I said, that's, that's the soul, is that the soul vendors or soul one of them Studio One groups there? He goes, yeah. So that rhythm she used for that song is an old reggae song, old reggae instrumental. I never knew to my friend. If I heard it, I'd have said, oh, yes, it is. But because someone told me and I listened to it, I went, mm-hmm, yeah. And it's happening a lot where they're sampling things. If you've got a keen ear, you know, you think, oh, that's a bit of, but it's only a little bit, a little snippet. So it's still happening. It's a good thing. It's a good thing, man. Because then, if you really like the song, that song now that she did is you. You could have picked it up before, but now it's a lot. It's worth a lot of money. I've only got it. I've only got it, and I'm confessing. I've only got it on an album. I ain't got a seven of that. Wish I did. How did businesses, businesses, and communities support sound system culture in Brent? Was this through barber shops, hairdressers? Um, only if they got sponsorship by mentioning said businesses on maybe on their flyers. I'm, I'm not 100% sure of that, right? Because back in my day when I was fully um, going around with sound systems, there was very few takeaways, right? Um, the barber shop was still about, but the barber shops isn't like what they are now. It's like, for, when I think of barber shop, I think of my uncle and his friends and my dad going to get his hair cut on just big people and it wasn't like it is now. So maybe, I don't know, um, that one. 
Did reggae music impact on how I dressed or danced? Do you have any example? Yes, I do. You could tell, it's not just reggae, so you could tell a soul person from a reggae person by the, the way they dress. The, the reggae, back in my day, it was like um, the guys, the girls wore, sorry, pleated skirts. The sticks women, okay, the dress was. Like, if you listen to my show now, I crack jokes about, um, yeah, back in the days when I'd have on my tie neck, kick the, like a blouse with a, without a collar, you'd have like a thing you tie, it's two bits hanging down, but you tie it to a bow. So you've got your tie neck blouse, you've got your pleated skirt, sometimes you have a box pleat or pleated, pleated like that, and then you'd have um, gold tip shoes. Your flying saucer hairstyle. Um, what else was it? Um, oh, the, the the bag with a chain, the chain bag. And then if if you're lucky, you've got a sovereign. But most guys have the peso ring. Remember the pesos? Okay, didn't have a sovereign. You had a peso. What else? And the soul heads. When I was into soul, I used to wear we called them sailor plim soles, baggy jeans, a belt. It was made out like a canvas stuff that. Mine was green, but you get them different colours, and the, the long bit used to hang down. Stripy T-shirt, anything that you're comfortable to dance in, yeah. You could just tell the soul is. Or there was a fashioning, I don't know if it's just Kingsbury, where, um, I don't know if you remember when you did PE at school, you'd have an Airtex blouse. Do you remember the Airtex two buttons, a little collar? Right. You'd get an Airtex blouse, you'd go to the Lost Property, where they're there in abundance, right. You take one that fit you. Take it home, you wash it, and you'd embroider all different names of groups all over it, or what we did, and then you wear it with a fitted pleated skirt. And I can remember um, making a really thick waistband because a lot of the regular guys used to have cut trousers with high waistbands with different zip things in the side. So I made this skirt, pencil skirt, big split, and it had a high waistband with my Airtex blouse, and that was a soul. And berry, we used to wear a berry, and you had granny. Remember granny shoes? I'm really old. We used to get them from Curtis's. Go Curtis's and get your granny shoes. And that was a fashion. People were saying, why are these granny shoes selling out? Because everybody was wearing platforms, but we just wanted the granny shoes. And that's how we used to, you could tell. You look at someone's eyes, oh, a solid there, or that's solid. Yeah, reggae man. Yeah, man, sticks, woman, sticks, man. Some of them would have, um, what's them jumpers? Because it was a bit of a mishmash afterwards. Because um, I remember wearing a Pringle V-neck jumper jeans sailor thing it just but it kind of varied because then afters when the sticks people came in that the, the quality of clothes kind of went up you had to have like um certain things but if you jump forward to the in the 90s it was all about you when you used to go twice as nice i was into house and garage that was all designer or it had to look designer i'm telling you mate and a different outfit every week yeah Every Sunday night, you best make sure you've got a different outfit in the place. Or we just, you just know. There was a girl that used to always wear this outfit. It was Machino. It was really nice, but every week. And if you see her the day before in a drilling village or something, she's got on that, and then you see it twice as nice, and that's anything. <laughs> really, girlfriend? Unless you've got six of them, I don't know. <laughs> but that was them days. That was them days, yeah. But um, twice as nice as, that's what, I wish I was... Like I am now, doing what I'm now at twice as night, because I probably would have been a house and garage DJ, because I was that sort of nature person. I would have got into it and I'd been buying all the music, which I was, but I was just going there to enjoy myself. Because I had the connections, because we used to go into VIP, because they gave me a key ring. That got me into the VIP car park and to the VIP enclosure upstairs. 
where you get Posh Spice, Beckham, even Prince come there one night. That was a lovely pub. Did oh, reggae music influence how I felt attitude how I walked down the road? Um, yeah, man, I was the bop and dip one or what. No, not really. No, not really. It just, it, it just makes me happy. Constant state of, of like, yeah, happiness and mellow sometimes. What is the media response, journalist, press, mainstream, local reggae events? Well, because there wasn't many local ones around here, Unless, if we're talking about community stations, they will mention what's going on because it's for the community, so they want us to know what's going on, okay? But if it's like national press and that, they never had nothing good to say about any reggae event back in them days. No way. So. What did reggae music play in changing the dialect and vocabulary of both youth culture in Brent and London? Can you see the links youth culture then and now? I think we were a lot happier them days, but I can only speak for myself, okay? There was a lot of all different kind of people in sound systems, all different colours. Yeah, in sound, we're just enjoying it. It was like to me, it was one love because to make a sound system, you had to get the boxes built, get this, get that. One person bought the records. It was, there was like a camaraderie, everyone was together. Okay, now the youths ain't got that. If they don't want to make a, make music, they're just going download it off YouTube and get together and, and maybe do what they have to do. That's why it's like a throwaway thing this day and age. Everything is like a throwaway thing. See what I'm saying? It's just slapdash. It's just not making any sense. Don't get me wrong. There's some youths out there that's playing music and they're doing all right. But to me, nah. You buy a record, you're going to value it. How did reggae music impact on politics and youth behaviour and has this changed? I don't know. Because as I said before, reggae music was like a message for the people then. So... I think that's why a lot of um, the, the radio stations, the actual mainstream ones, were scared of reggae music because to them it was sending out a message that they didn't understand. Whereas we know it's all about peace and love. Bob Marley's singing about what he's singing about. If he's singing about it, he's not telling you to go, like now, the music now, is literally telling you to go and do somebody some harm. We weren't singing about things like that in them days. We weren't disrespecting women, disrespecting men, disrespecting people. It's different. It's not so good now. Not all of it. But some of what I hear that I have to switch off. That's why I don't listen to a lot of them stations. I'm not interested. Even in some of the playing things, they're saying things they're not understanding. Like I come to you, oh, yeah, I want to make a tune, you know, and I give it to someone. They're putting out. They're not listening to what the tune is saying. What message? It's got like a double meaning. Some of them. Mm. It's not the same. What do I think was reggae role in bringing together Brent communities and did it extend to wider London and the mainstream society? Yes, yes, yes. So let me think about that now. A lot used to happen before in Brent, whether it be reggae music, because we had clubs here that people have forgotten existed, right? The only club we got left, reggae club, we got left around back in the day, I'd say is Apollo. That is still going, okay? But before... You had, um, let me see, uh, one that comes to mind was Roxy Theatre that I actually went to. Da, 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 da. There was a place on Wilson High Street, and I had to think, did I imagine this? It was across the road, not Wilson, yeah, the other part of Wilson High Street, across the road from Wilson Green Station. Was it Grove, Grosvenor Rooms? No, really? Grosvenor Rooms. It was like a banqueting suite, and they used to bring sound systems in there. There wasn't much happening around here when you say about, sorry. Um, the music scene in other cultures of Brent. Um, Brent had its thing, but if you wanted to go and have a good time at certain clubs, you, to me, you'd have to go out of the area, east, north, south. Because if you go any club now and they say, how many South London have played or East London, the whole roof lifts off when they big them up. 
Anybody from Northwest? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brent, what is the best sound system? Um, I can't speak for everybody, but I know we had a few name brand sounds around here that used to go and shake up the place, things like that you're asking. I'm going to mention Java. Sorry to any other sound I haven't mentioned, but that actually sticks in my mind because I can remember when Brent used to have the Brent show that used to be three days. It used to be Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Friday consisted mostly of um, beautiful baby competitions and making homemade jam and them kind of things. But the Saturday and the Sunday, you would have sometimes BBC Radio London used to broadcast live from there. This is back in the early 70s. And you'd have a mastermind in the soul tent and you'd have Java maybe up on the hill. And why I mention Java is because I can remember walking down Roundwood Road or whatever towards the park and the ground was literally shaking. Earthquake, what a baseline on that sound system. Oh, the ground was shaking, mate. I was like, yeah, man, that's a sound system. What connection with the reggae scene that I have now? Well, I'm a female DJ that specialises in, in playing vinyl. I'm known for it. I, I go somewhere and because I'm on the radio, I might be standing in a shop and someone will say to me, excuse me, I know your voice. And they'll say, you, have you got a horse? And I think, what? Because I've got a sound effect of a horse. I go, yeah, yeah, it's me. Or um, being invited to play in the reggae festivals. I've done two festivals. I've done one in Germany um, and I've done one in Spain. And I've done how many over here the Scar Festival, which I've been invited back to play uh, next year. So I'm quite happy about that. I'm still, I'm, I don't know, I just love the fact that I can share my music and play my music, continue to buy my music and keep people happy. The last time I went to Jamaica was March, and I'm not saying there's music over there to be collected, but everyone knows the value of reggae music now. The, the, the world and its dog knows the value of reggae music. Whereas before, you can possibly walk into a charity shop or walk into a reggae shop and there'll be a small box in the corner. You've got songs that are going for 50 to 100 pounds, records that we used to frisbee out the window or we bought for like 25p. They're going for a lot of money now. And um, I mean, I've been to Jamaica before and that was in 2009. Um, that's when my dad passed away. And I was there, you know, because we were sorting out his funeral. And um, I can remember going um, to some sort of mall and I remember there was like a computer shop uh, what do you call it, an internet cafe. And she had some, there was music coming out of it and she had CDs selling. So I said to the lady, oh, do you have any records? And she looked at me, she went, record? Oh, all hits? So I said, yes. And she said, go in that room. I thought, I was like a kid in a candy shop. I couldn't believe there was records from the floor to the ceiling, boxes, this. I was like, yeah, rub hands together. And I was pulling out some stuff and all I heard was, Sharon, come here. That was my mum calling me. Come on, we're going up. And I wanted to cry. <laughs> I was so upset. So we had to go. And I was so... When I say I was fuming. So when we got back to the house, um, my mum said... My, my brother said, don't worry, he's going back out again. So he will drop me back to the record shop and leave me in there. I was in there for hours. Oh, that's the last... That's the best time in Jamaica for records. Other than that, no, you have to know somebody who's going to say, all right, I know somebody that's got some records and I'll get them and you give me money, but sometimes you get a bag of rubbish. Mm. How did the success of reggae and the support that Brent gave to its development in the UK has affected the music scene and cultures in Brent that have evolved since? 
or where? We all know where Trojan music. It didn't start from Brent, but the Trojan uh, had Music House, which was on Wilson Lane. Not Neeson Lane. Neeson Lane? Near Chancel House. Um, I'd love to know the actual site. I've got an album, a Trojan album, that's got a picture of the old Music House place. Right, you've got that. I don't know. It's wherever people came from maybe the West Indies, they actually wanted their music sent over, so people would go there, bring records back. I know I'm digressing, but that's the thing, that's the only connection I can think, yeah? People bringing their records, having their parties, and then we're talking about clubs where they can gather, have a drink, have a dance. Apollo, there's a lot of blues dancers who carry on around here, but the better ones, you'd have to jump in your car or go to some with a cab or with your friends and go across the other side of London. How do I think reggae music has developed from the 70s and 80s to attract um, a younger audience? That's the thing. Where I play, okay, example, when I played in Germany, I was invited from England. I was English side of the, the scene. And I will never forget the crowd. It was, there were kids. And there was this the DJ from, from Switzerland. Yeah, Switzerland. He looked about, if I say 11, <laughs> so he looked about 11. And he pulled out a record box with some original vinyl that brought tears to my eyes. This, and I'm thinking, what do you know about this music? What the, how? And he was excellent and he was singing along to everything. And it goes to say, music to me has no age. Because who I play to is the people that are a lot younger than me and they're loving it. They're singing along, they're loving it. I just used to have this small, it was a Hitachi, I think. Like a little camcorder thing. I don't know why. It was just one of them things. Because the first time I used one was at my friend's barbecue. And, and it was so good just watching them. We filmed and everything. Just sitting there watching a barbecue. So when I'd go to certain places like Adams and that, I'd have a video camera. Yeah, so it was about... Oh, I don't, and then I got another one, JVC one. It's about that big. Like that, and then it's got a thing that comes out. But that one, I was asking for it where it is. I haven't seen that for a while. I don't know what I've done with it. It's in the house somewhere. How would I like to see the borough's reggae heritage preserved? What role can I play? Basically, I had this discussion with a friend of mine. What we do is like is going to be lost. The travelling to record shops, we still do that. Last week, Saturday this time, well, no, when did I go? No, Sunday, went to El Dica and that. We went to record shop. There's nobody doing that no more. You go to a record shop, you meet people, you talk with this. They have all these documentaries. Oh, I forgot to mention, I played at the Return of the Rubo, that Trojan movie that they were big enough. Right, I played at the, when they did the thing at the Rio Cinema in Dalston, I played at the after party in the Ridley Road bar. There's like a bar in Ridley Road. They had the after party there, the people in the, in the, in the business and that talking and listening to music and things like that, you know. And with the film, they show films of reggae and certain things, but they always include certain people that we're like, us lot sit together and think, why is that man in every single reggae documentary? And I don't remember him nowhere where we were. He's in every single, I ain't gonna call his name, every single reggae documentary that was going. And then when I watched that film, he was there saying his piece and everything like that. And I said, yeah. Good on you. I mean, I'm, when I leave here, I'm going up to a Grove. I've probably seen a quarter of the road. And I'm thinking, there's people that could tell stories who were there, who was around, who certain things, you know. There's a lot of people around. I need to catch them before they all pass away. I said, there's things that we could do. Put pictures up. 
get artists to talk certain things. Even if you're gonna draw for like, um, I went to the thing in Granville and they had um, um, natural woman, but um, and I said even if they talk stories about that song and. I know there's a lot of politics over that record at the moment, or like even if you say, what's the best party you went to? I said, the best ever party I went to was in Kilburn, South Kilburn. Best ever party ever. That was 19, oh, I don't know, 80? That was one of the best parties, and they had JAMA, J-A-M-A played there. That was one of the best parties. Wow, that party was fantastic, Austin House. Wow, best party ever. People could talk about it, you could talk about dances, parties, Things they used to have, they used to keep dancers in the shop front at the back of Halston. It's all gone now because there's rules and regulations and things have changed. Red Brent to me is the home of reggae music simply because the record label, Trojan. We've, we all know about Studio One, we all know about Treasure R, we all know about all of them, Dr. Bird and everything. But to me, Trojan, because that's where it started. That's, what was, that's when them people was dancing to certain tunes, like the Pioneers. Yeah, and long shot kick the bucket and everything. That's that's where it started from. Yeah, that's what they always show in them documentaries. Even though when you, if you know your records, and then you see the skinheads dancing, and they pan to the turntable, and they're dancing to a song that you know never come on that label because obviously they've dubbed it over. You think that never come on that label? That's not that. What they dance to? I don't know, but that's not what's playing. They've dubbed it because we know it never come on that label. 